The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Today's guest wants to remind you that care tasks and motherhood are not the same and that care tasks are actually morally neutral. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. Welcome Casey Davis to Keep Calm and Mother On. I am so excited to have you here today. You're like TikTok star by all um, all accounts, like even my kids know who you are. So I'm so <laughs> glad you're here. You up my street cred with my teenagers. That's awesome. <laughs> so Casey, let's, let's learn a little bit about you in case other moms aren't on TikTok because it's not a platform that everyone is on. Well, a lot of people are, but not everyone. Yeah. So I, my TikTok handle is domestic blisters and I've had that name honestly in my head for a while and it it's sort of a play on domestic bliss so I started the channel I was a stay-at-home mom I had a two-year-old and when I say a two-year-old I mean like a 23 month <laughs> like literally turned to three weeks after my baby my second baby was born and so I have this two-year-old I have this little newborn baby. My husband um, is a new lawyer who's working a lot. And we just moved into a city where we didn't have any family around. And, you know, I am a therapist by trade. And I experienced some postpartum anxiety with my first daughter. Mm -hmm. And so coming into my second, you know, pregnancy and birth, I was like, okay, I'm going to like lay out a support plan for myself. I started a mom's group. I had family that was going to roll in every few weeks. I put my two-year-old into like a part-time daycare. Um, and then the pandemic happened. Ooh. <laughs> everything got shut down. Everything got grounded. And suddenly it was me and my two kids inside my house, 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and I developed some really serious postpartum depression. And my sister told me to get on TikTok one day and I did. And I was just sort of futzing around. I posted a few videos and I ended up posting a video of me cleaning my house one day. And I talked about this kind of funny way that I clean my house where I think about all the things in my house. And I think there's only ever just five things in a room. There's trash, dishes, laundry, things that have a place and things that don't have a place. And I just sort of go down that category. It helps me move really fast. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't expect was for so many people to reach out and say, this is the first piece of cleaning advice that's ever helped me. Yeah. And I realized that there was really this, it's not that there's a lack of like home care mm -hmm. advice out there, but it's all very aspirational. It's all very Martha <laughs> yes, Stewart. It is. It's all very influencer. Very Pinteresty, so, way to perfection, nothing practical. Yes, and if you're just a normal person, 
that with kids or with mental health or living through a pandemic or, you know, if you have any kind of barriers in your life, there's nobody really talking about, you know, how do you how do you keep house when you're drowning? Yep. And and that drowning is often silent, right? Like, I love that you use that analogy of drowning because as someone who's saw my kids go under once and have to like pick them up, like it's a really fast, quiet thing that happens in your life. So I love that analogy because it's like you're above water and then you're not. And it happens Mm -hmm. fast. You know, and, and it's written for all types of people, men, women, non-binary, mm-hmm. all types of family, single moms, parents. But I do find that when we talk about that silent drowning, there's something about that that really resonates with moms. Yep. <laughs> because we can be doing all of the things that we need to do. We're kind of holding it together. You know, people, you know, the family's taking care of, but nobody seems to notice that we feel like we're drowning. Yeah. And is that because we've confused what motherhood is? I think so. I think that, you know, when you look at sort of the mommy shaming Mm -hmm. that goes on, it's it's the big one right now. Yeah. And it's often really related to how sacrificial a mom is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, homemaking your own organic puree that you picked out of the garden like that is just like wow what a good mom whereas you know buying uncrustables is like wow how lazy yes yeah if your kid is wearing wrinkled clothes versus like the perfection of all of them wearing matching jimbery or whatever right and if you talk about difficulties with motherhood Um, you oftentimes will get really cruel pushback about, well, then why did you have kids? Then you shouldn't have had them. You know, you should be able to give up your own. And it's all, it's just this narrative of sacrifice. Like it doesn't, you are no longer a person because you are a mother. Because the reality is, is like, if you love having a home garden and home mashing your kids, you know, baby puree, like that's fine if that's like your hobby and you have the capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. But the real, but if that's like prescriptive for everyone, well then (laughs) like that's a lot of time and energy. And so if I'm someone that has anything else going in my life, right. If I have a a child that needs to go to special needs therapies, if I have a job, my own mental health, if I want to go to therapy, if I want to have a hobby for God's sake, or your extended family, if something's going on beyond you. Like, yeah. If, if for some reason you don't have the room in your life to do that whole process, the message that we get is, well, then you shouldn't be like that should be prioritized over anything that's just about you. Mm-hmm. You should always prioritize the thing, the ways in which you serve others before anything having to do with your own happiness, comfort, anything like that. And so it's just the sacrificial narrative. So we and we praise people. We do when we see them like that. And so we really do sort of equate um giving up on ourselves and sacrificing ourselves as what a good mom is. Yes. And that carries over, right? That the good mom isn't necessarily about strong relationships with your kids. It's about how it looks to everybody else. Right. And what's wild to me is thinking about 
we put mothers in this this bind, this catch-22, where I'm supposed to be teaching my girls to be have boundaries and to say no and to like be all these things but i'm not allowed to be that thing correct and my experience in raising daughters and and this is i'm sure true of all kids but like the things that i've tried to teach my kids that are important they what you try to tell them is nothing compared to what they see you doing Yes. And as a mom with teenagers, I will tell you, they are much quicker to point out that hypo, that hypocriticalness of like, wait yes. a second. Are you sure? Because I don't ever see you do that. <laughs> like my kids have really good sense of boundaries when it comes to like asking to take a break, not letting people touch their bodies when they mm-hmm. don't want to. And all these things that like now that they're kind of getting to the age where they're starting to vocalize and I'm like, wow, what a cool thing. And what's kind of funny is like they got that from watching me, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't model that always out of a sense of like, this will be good for them. Sometimes I modeled it out of my own stress and brokenness and all my, like, I, you know, I feel so guilty about the times when I would get overwhelmed by being out touched Mm -hmm. and would scream. Yeah. Get away. Do not touch my body. Right. Do not touch my body. And although, yes, I wish I would have handled that differently. What's kind of funny is that like what my kids took from that is like not letting people touch your body when you don't want to be touched is okay. And And it's it's a big deal. You have serious autonomy over your body and your space. I've had my four-year-old all of a sudden stand up and say, I need to go take a break when she's frustrated with her sister. And she never would have done that had she not seen me stand up in the middle of playing with them and go, I'm overwhelmed. I need to take a break. Yep. <laughs> and so it's funny, like I'm expected to teach my kids all of these life skills, but I'm expected to not do them. But yeah, right. that's the best way to teach them. Absolutely. Like I say no to my kids when they say, you know, do you want to play? No, I don't. I love you, but no, I don't want to play. Not now. <laughs> Not now. Not this game. Not this type of play. Yeah. All of those things. Moms are allowed to have things that feel good to them just because they feel good. Just like you posted, I think, yesterday about buying flowers just because. Yeah. Man, it's like, how are we going to teach our kids to be not under this pressure of having to be perfect or always having to serve other people first if they're not seeing their mom be that way. Yeah. It's a big deal. I pause when we go on family walks. I pause so often, like every five steps, they take a picture of something marvelous to me. Um, and, and I just hope that my kids pick up that wonder of life, right? Like that you're allowed to still be a full human. You're supposed to be a full human even when you're a parent. So, and they they tend to latch onto those things that you do authentically. Yeah. Like if if I, you know, had a plan to stop and take a picture so that my kids would whatever, right. whatever oh, like yeah. they wouldn't notice. But they they do tune into, man, I remember how my mom would really mm-hmm. stop and and look at a little, you know, frog yeah. that she saw and exactly. took a picture. And so it really, it really empowered me to realize that, you know, the best thing that I can do for my kids and my family is to authentically be a whole person and let them see me be a whole person with likes and dislikes and boundaries and limits and 
mistakes. All of it. That you have all these habits you're developing, right? Uh, like you get to be a whole person and there's this whole life around you and there's room for both, but not maybe not equally, not picture perfect all the time, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's so much of it is like, no matter how many kids you've had or how what kind of parents you had, the whole thing is just a grand experiment. <laughs> like, yep. you know what I mean? I, I, I think of this a lot as a, as a, um, as a therapist, like the yeah. amount of clients, adult clients that I've had say, you know, my mother never played with me and I always felt so lonely. But then like the next client would come in and be like, my mom always played with me and I always felt so lonely. <laughs> and then the next client would come in and be like, man, my mom always got up in my grill and was trying to be and it was just too much. And I felt suffocated. And I wish she would have. I wish. I mean, I've literally had people say, I wish my mom would have had her own life. Yeah. It, it put so much burden on me to be her whole life. And, and, you know, and then the next night I'll come in and go, I wish my mom was more interested in me because I, she never cared about me. And then the next one comes in and goes, my mom, I wish my mom would have stopped cleaning long enough to see that I was there. And then the next client comes in and goes, I wish my mom would have taken better care of the house because I always felt like stressed out that I didn't have laundry. And you're just, you just realize that the whole thing is absolutely sort of a crapshoot. Like you're really not in control as much as we think. Not at all. Yeah, it's, it really is just like a blind game. It is. And, and, and it's so good to verbalize that out loud. Like I've verbalized this out loud to my kids all the time. Like, you know, today we're going to experiment with this because whatever we were doing before isn't working anymore. It's not making me feel good. I think I'm showing up wrong here. So let's try mm-hmm. it again. <laughs> yeah. And I think it also helped me to realize that one of the most powerful parenting advice that I ever heard, and now I can't remember who said it, but they said, you know, your job isn't to be the parent that you needed as a child. Yep. Your job is to be the parent that your child needs. Because we do, we take that, okay, my dad did X and that made me feel Y. Yep. And so I will never do X to my kids. But like X may or may not be something that is damaging to all children or in all contexts. Yeah. Yeah, X might be okay, depending on the relationship. Like, X might be okay with your firstborn, but your secondborn prickles at it. Um, Mm -hmm. That definitely happens in my house. With three kids, I am three different adults to them. And it's important for me to remember that. And, like, there's some obvious things that would be harmful all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, but a lot of things, recognizing that, okay, in a different context, like, if my parent was loving and affectionate engaged 90% of the time around this one behavior, yeah. would that behavior have bothered me? Would that behavior had had, would, would it have had a negative impact uh-huh. on me? Or is it really more about the constellation of the way my, my mm-hmm. caregiver showed up? Yeah. Well, so much of us have baggage around cleaning and housework from our growing up experiences, which is where you really shine on Instagram and in your books about taking the idea that care tasks that we need to do, right? Things we have to do to function are morally neutral. Can you tell us more about that? Because I think this is going to really set someone free during the summer vacation of being able to take a deep breath and waste more time with her kids and enjoy it a little bit more. 
Yeah, so I find that particularly with mothers, there's this idea that, you know, if our houses don't look a certain way, if we're not keeping house a certain way, if we're falling, quote unquote, behind, if we're feeling overwhelmed, that we're failing in our role as a mother. Yeah. And recognizing that housework is not motherhood, which and, and think of it this way. If I ever said housework is not fatherhood, you'd be like, it doesn't even equate. Yeah. No one, no one thinks that. Right. And no one is saying that. I mean, obviously taking care of our children is a part of that. But Mm -hmm. when we really look at cleaning dishes, laundry, those things are morally neutral. And that means that the way you do them, how often you do them has nothing to do with being a good or bad mother, a failure or a success of a spouse. It really, they're morally neutral. They're just functional things. So they're not moral obligations that measure how good you are. Yeah. There are functional tasks that you engage in to take care of yourself and your family. And that really sort of cuts through a lot of perfectionism mm-hmm. and a lot of overwhelm where I just focus because my kids and I, we do deserve a functional home. Right. You do. Des- you deserve a space that allows you to do the things that you want to do. Yes. And and one of my biggest taglines is that I don't exist to serve this house. This house exists to serve me. And so, yes, that's going to take a little work from me, but it's a whole different way of looking at your laundry and your dishes and your tidying and things that, okay, this is a space we live in. It's okay for it to look like we live in it. <laughs> Amen at that. I, Can we just repeat yeah. that phrase right there? Right? Our houses, especially during summer when kids maybe are home longer, they're supposed to look like they're going to look like someone lives there. <laughs> yes. And I want my house to feel relaxing, but especially in this stage of life, like recognizing that all stages of motherhood are pretty temporary. Uh huh. And I made a comment the other day, like I just bought this sort of standing shelf that holds baskets in it. And one of the baskets is for dirty laundry. One of the baskets is for diapers. One of the baskets is for like outside stuff, yeah. like our bug spray and our whatever. And the other one is for extra clothes because my kids, they have accidents or they get dirty, they get wet. And it's standing in the in this like really conspicuous part of our lawn, uh, living room by our back door. Uh-huh. And it looks like something that would be in like the back room of a gap. Like it looks like something <laughs> very like a functional. Yeah. And I just made this comment where I was like, listen, I like a pretty thing as much as everyone else. I bought myself flowers at the grocery store. I have throws I love. But I more than anything, I need my space to be set up like a workspace mm-hmm. because this is me. I am laboring. Yep. You know, I don't want to go up to the second floor every time I need to change my kids' clothes. No, no. This reminds me of when another mom told me, like, I could just leave a basket of socks that were all the same by the shoes, that I didn't need to sort them or fold them. Like, all my kids' feet are about the same size. They can all wear the same type of boring sock, and that's okay. I it's not a failure. I have started to cycle out any type of sock that isn't a white sock. And yeah. I only buy one type of white sock for me and my kids. Yeah. Say, and my husband has like fun socks he wears. And I say, that's fine. You can have fun socks. I'm not pairing them. <laughs> You're in charge <laughs> and, of that. And we did something similar with our, like we used to keep our shoes in our closets. Cause that's like where you think they're supposed to be. But like everyone's coming home and taking their shoes off in the living room. Yep. So I finally just like got some baskets for people to chuck their <laughs> shoes into And like, that's where the shoes stay. Like, it's okay to break the rules. Yeah, it's important to break the rules. Like, 
we pick a game a week and we leave it in the middle of the dining room table because I want to sit down and play a board game with my kids. But if it's hiding in a closet, the space doesn't work for us because I'm not going to get that trigger to say, hey, brain, you want to play a game with your kids? Yes. And I know that there are some people that really love a clean, a clear counter. Uh I am someone who famously has like every appliance I own out on the countertop because that's what I need. That's what I like. And listen, do I think it looks really pretty to have them clear? Sure. But the reality is, especially at this stage of life with ADHD, with everything else going on, like the function matters more to me than the aesthetics. And when it comes to counters, I always say like there's a difference between a counter that is cluttered because you are doing the things that you like to do versus a counter that's cluttered to a point where you can't do the things you want to do, right? So like having a board game out, have it like, I think my like cricket crafting stuff is taking over the kitchen island, (laughs) right? Like that is cluttered because I am doing something I like to do and I've been doing a little bit every day. That's different than I really wish I could engage in this hobby, but I'm just so overwhelmed. I don't have a good way to tidy that all of my spaces just have a bunch of clutter on them and I can't use them. That's very different. Very different. And if it allows you to find the space to do the thing that fills you up more because it's there sitting and reminding you, like that is a much better use of the space than a closet. Yeah. And, And going back to sort of like kids will pay attention more to what we model than what we say. Like we can talk a good game all day long about how important it is to, you know, care for our space or make our space functional. But then if we have such perfectionistic standards that what they see is us always engaging in care tasks in a way that we're irritated Mm -hmm. and frustrated and we're just like, oh, it's such a bummer. I have to do the dishes, right? Uh, I'm not saying you have to pretend to be happy about it, but I am saying if it, like maybe we can scale it back a little bit focus on what is most functional yes so that we can experience sort of that like work-life balance even in our home yeah and cleaning up all day may be in a good idea in theory but it might not be what actually works for you like my kids have quoted me saying child is supposed to be messy when i see the mess and i groan or or they tell me things like, oh, that's a beautiful mess because I've repeated it over and over and over again to help myself yes. take a deep breath and like, yeah, like they're supposed to have paper scraps on the floor if I value them making forts. Mm-hmm. Going into the kids' playroom and going, wow, it looks like you've had a lot of fun in here. <laughs> that's another good phrase. <laughs> mm-hmm. And with my kids, I I try, we've never been a, a family where it's like, we make them clean up their playroom at the end of the day yeah. because sometimes like they have like I, I one time cleaned up for them at night. Well, I often clean up for them just because they're very little. But yeah, one time I cleaned up for them and she came home the next it came down the next morning and was like, oh, I was still playing with that fort. Yes. And I realized like, like the things we're interested in and the games we're playing, they don't have this neat. I start at 8 a.m. and I'm totally done with it at 5 p.m. No. And so instead of trying to teach them like a rote routine of picking up every day at five that they don't connect to and they don't <laughs> feel motivated to do and that isn't functional for them. I've been trying to have them recognize when is this space not functional anymore? Yeah. And so I'll like, I'll wait until they can't find something they want. Mm. I'll wait until um, one, one that happens pretty commonly is 
I will, we have an open concept. And so instead of a dining room, we turn that into the playroom. Oh, yeah. That's right so for your agent stage. Them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we don't need a dining room anyways. Nope. But so what I will do is pick up the toys occasionally that are outside of the play area and yeah. put them back in the play area because that's what I, it makes me feel better to not Right. You want to not migrate too far outside of the right. zone. But I'm trying as much as possible to let them get to a place where they recognize this isn't working for me. So one thing that happens pretty commonly is one of them will trip or step on a Lego (laughs) and go and I'll comfort and I'll use that opportunity to say, do you want me to help you reset the space? Because it seems like right now, you know, we're getting hurt because there are too many things on the floor, like really leaning into so that they're making that connection. I don't yeah. want them to gra- like leave my house at 18 and be like, "Woof, I never have to do that again because mom wanted us to clean up. I want them to have that connection of it's not about how often I do it or whether I do it perfectly. But when it gets to the point where I can't find all my Paw Patrols yep. or I'm tripping over <laughs> my Legos, I want to do something about that. Yeah, if if when my friend comes over to play, we can't do what we want. Like all of those things matter. The function matters. So when you were in postpartum depression and trying to find the function, what was did you have an early on ramp of what you did to start feeling better, Casey? The first thing that I did, so I made this connection that um you know, I would wake up in the mornings and, you know, I'm awoken by the screaming of my youngest, right? right and I'm yeah. rushing downstairs and both of my kids immediately like want to drink milk, right? One is on regular milk, one's on formula. And I would have to go and find wherever the bottles were in the house, like where they got <laughs> left in the middle of the night or, or the night before. Yep. And then I'd have to hand wash them. And all the, all the while everyone is crying and it was super stressful to me. And I finally, what would happen was I'd get my kids to bed and I would just collapse. And I'd think I don't want to oh, do yeah. anything else. I would look at the house kind of be destroyed and go, I don't have it in me because I still had this black and white clean it all or clean nothing. Yes. Because that's how it's sold and taught to us, kind of. Like, as a kid, love you, mom and dad. I know you listen to this podcast. But it was definitely black and white thinking. Like, the job is done or it's not. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah. And everything worth doing is worth doing, you know. Right. You clean your plate when you eat your dinner and all the completionist sort of things. Yes. And so the first thing I did was finally recognize, like, okay, if I just take five minutes, literally set a timer for five minutes, and put the dishes into the dishwasher, I will have these clean bottles first thing in the morning. And that was sort of the first aha moment was if I just do this one thing, I can leave the rest of it looking like a disaster. But (laughs) if I did this one thing, I will have like a better quality of life in the morning. I'll be setting myself up for success. But the biggest aha moment was there were some there were some evenings where I couldn't even manage to do that. Like I would Mm -hmm. stare at those dishes and be like, I I just I can't. can't. And one day I took the bottles, like just the bottles, the bottles that I would need in the morning. And I opened up my clean dishwasher and I took like two coffee cups out. And then I shoved those dirty dishes back into that clean dishwasher and shut it and ran it again. And I was like, I like looked around, like you're like waiting for the police to come in <laughs> or arrest you because you've like done something very against the rules. And I just realized like, you know what? It's okay. Like there's I'm no laundry or dishwasher, please. Isn't that amazing? Right. <laughs> so, you know, realizing that on the nights that I could, I would unload and reload the dishwasher. And on the nights when I couldn't, 
I could still just shove those bottles into there and have clean bottles. That's where I started. That is, um, does it seem, does it surprise you that that's what you needed? I mean, like now, like looking back at it, like it seems so simple, but like when you're in that tight spot, like that made all the difference to you. Mm hmm. And then from there, and I I must have done that for five months, maybe like that was the only thing I did. And then five months later, it had become such a ritual that I was I looked around and I I went, you know, one of the reasons why there's a lot of trash that piles up on the countertop. Yeah. Is because when the trash gets full, I don't have even a second, an extra second to like tie it up take it out, walk it all the way outside. To, I've got oh, small yeah. kids inside. Exactly. <laughs> and so I'm just leaving it and then I can't put any more trash. So then it's piling up on top. And so I started realizing that if I would take the trash out every night after loading the dishwasher, that that would stop happening. And then the real key was like, there would maybe be a random day where the trash would be half full. Oh. But recognizing that, you know, you would think, oh, I don't have to take it out yet. But recognizing that like, I'm <laughs> That's not the doing trick. very well uh-huh. with like taking it out when it gets full because I will inevitably be in the middle of doing something else with the kids. Mm-hmm. So I started taking the trash out every single night at you know 7.30, even if it wasn't quite full, because it's not about whether it's full and needs to go out. It's about how much empty trash can am I going to need tomorrow? Yes. I'm going to need what a does future empty you trash need? can tomorrow. Yeah. Exactly. Tomorrow you, that was the dishwasher trick was the thing that started saving me early on during my husband's deployments that if no matter how many things were in there, if I could just run the dishwasher, um, cause my mm-hmm. girls are 18 months apart. So the first deployment he went on, I had an almost three year old and an 18 month old. So total chaos, right? And <laughs> far away, 12 hours away from family. So if I could just get the dishwasher done every day in the morning, just like you, then I could wake up and feed someone in the morning without having to hand wash something. Cause that was the worst. Yes. So and much I stress. I think that all or nothing, you know, once we get away from that, like yeah. it's morally neutral. And then we have to start looking at how am I talking to myself about these tasks? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right? Like, am I looking at the pile of dishes and going, gosh, I'm so lazy. I'm really failing. Yeah. And if that's how I'm talking to myself, is that like that has a huge impact on my mental health, on my energy levels, on my motivation, and really asking myself, you know, would I talk to a friend that way? Mm-hmm. When I go over to a friend's house who's postpartum, who is, you know, doing her best and look at her dishes and go, wow, you're so lazy. I sure hope not. No. <laughs> right. Yet like, I would talk to myself that way. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, is that like dishes don't have meaning. They're just dishes. Yeah. So while you can look at those dishes in the sink and think, wow, I'm, I'm not keeping up. But like. There are dishes in your sink. That also means that you fed your family for the past however many days. And this is my favorite reframe of that is seeing seeing why they're there and giving yourself credit for all the things that you are doing to, to stay alive. That instead of yes. seeing it negative. And I have to tell you this story because it it really opened my eyes when I was reading the, when I was writing the book. I was writing about the first TikTok that I ever posted. Yeah, where uh, you know it's very newly postpartum, and I was taking 
picture like shots of all the stuff in my house that wasn't done you know, uh-huh. empty enchilada pan a bunch of dishes <laughs> in the sink and and i was sort of uh there's this audio that was talking about like oh these are the things that are not going to get done today yep and um someone commented on it and they just said lazy like that was their comment <laughs> and and i remember that stage feeling so overwhelmed feeling as though i wasn't doing enough feeling as though um you know, I wasn't keeping up and remember really thinking like, how are other parents doing this? Yeah. And when the book released, um, you know, this, this edition of the book two years later, I went back and found that TikTok so that I could repost it. And I noticed something about it. When there's this shot of my sink. Yeah. Where I, I noticed that my food processor was in the sink. Huh. And the thought that I had two years later, right? Yeah. So the thoughts that I was having at the time, looking at the dishes in the sink was, oh, I'm not keeping up. Yeah. Two years later, my first thought was, what the heck was I food processing at six weeks postpartum? What? Yeah. What sort of crazy meal were you trying to make? Yes. Like that was way too complicated. (laughs) And then all of a sudden I'm looking at it with these new eyes and I'm almost like giving myself credit. Like, wait a second. I made something from scratch for my family at that stage. Yes. Like, well, first of all, what was I thinking? But also like, go you. Absolutely. That is my biggest tip. I try to tell moms that all the time. Like at the end of the day, find the one good thing that you can give yourself credit for. Like if it's making a dinner or feeding food off a paper plate and the paper plates get into the trash can, paper plates save me during the deployment. So I love that you say, use the paper plates. Use the paper plates. And I mean, we're often looking back at ourselves and with much kinder eyes than what we had at the time. And my thing is like, let's just practice bringing those kinder eyes more into the present. Yeah. Yeah, that that self compassion for yes. for trying your best in the moment. And I'm currently sort of experimenting with our dishes because dishes is kind of my bugaboo, <laughs> right? Like that's the thing that really stresses me out. And going back to that, like it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, we use paper plates as well. But what I've started doing is I sort of I took out like like the rules say like you you stack all of your dishes together, you stack all yep. of your plates together, like in your in your cabinets. And I really started thinking about like how many dishes does my family need in a day? Yep. And what is the amount of dishes that doesn't feel overwhelming at the end of the day? And so yes. realizing like, okay, if I had two water cups for my kids, two milk cups, six little plastic plates, and then I put, you know, two or three plates for myself. And what obviously there are going to be some days you use more and some days you use mm-hmm. less. But what I've started doing is on the days where we end up needing more dishes than this little like daily allowance yeah. on the side, or sometimes maybe I have a hard night and I don't do the dishes at all, that's when I start using my paper plates. Bravo. And that's really working for me because I have this, you know, I'm not going all or nothing, but I'm recognizing what my limits are. Yeah. So this is the amount of dishes that we usually use. And these are the amount of dishes that I can reasonably stay kind of on top of mm-hmm. and not feel overwhelmed. And if I need something more than this, it's okay for me to start using the paper plates. And then whenever I reset the dishes, I go back to my little dish, you know, inventory. And in that way, I feel good about what I'm doing. I'm respecting my limits and I'm I'm doing what I need to do. 
Yeah, and I find um, we've moved a lot over the years. And so what that reminds me of, Casey, is when we're in this temporary living and we're in a hotel, right? Like a a kitchen, that sort of thing. There's just enough dishes for that day in there, right? It's not overstocked. And your stress level is so much lower when it's just, that's what it is. Like, yep. When when my kids can't grab five hundred cups, um, there's less cups to wash. I know. I and I ordered these two little. They're made of silicone. Yeah, and they're little short cups, and that's from like Silapint, I think. But like they they feel really like fun to yeah. touch and to hold, and they have like that tactile sensation. And they're different than all the other cups in the house. And it's amazing how being like, these are your cups, buddies. Like, this is it. Uh-huh. Like, I, I, it's no big deal, actually, for me to hand wash them quickly in between meals. Mm-hmm. When what I used to do is, okay, these are dirty. Throw them in the sink. Get two more out. These are dirty. Now get two more out. And then I had a bunch of cups. Um, and so there are just simple things like that that we can do that will really change the game in terms of feeling like we can stay on top of functioning. Absolutely. Another thing that uh, I'll throw it out there as a tip that we gave everyone color-coded plates when deployment. Yes, it's so genius because even going with, um, I noticed that uh, cleaning my kids' plates wasn't as overwhelming as cleaning mine. And I realized that having heavy glass dishes, yes, <laughs> um, like it did something to feeling like the literal burden of it. And, and, I ended up getting a picnic basket for Christmas from my dad, and it came with like four little melamine plates. Yes, they're so much easier to wash for some reason. (laughs) For some reason, they just don't feel the same. Yeah, they're lighter. They're easier to hold. You're not worried about dropping them. Like I can be interrupted, and it's not a big deal. Yeah, it's amazing. So care tasks are morally neutral, and we need to get to a spot and figure out what it takes for us to function, that our house is supposed to function for us, not us yes. for the house. Yeah. And that there really aren't any rules. Like <laughs> the function of laundry is to have clean clothes. So like you can do that any way that has clean clothes at the end. Yeah. The number of moms that are ashamed to say that all their clean clothes just goes into a basket is really high. Like we whisper yeah. it to each other like, oh, I don't fold that. Like I, I shove all my sheets into the pillowcase that goes with the sheet and I don't fold Mm -hmm. any of it, but they're together, but they just all get shoved inside of a pillowcase, the backup sheet. And then even if there's like functional issues, they'll be like, and I don't like it because like I have to dig through the whole pile to find what I need. When we think there are rules, we keep trying to quote unquote fix it by doing the right thing. So I need to (laughs) fold it and put it away instead of realizing, well, if the issue is that you can't find it. What if you just had more clean baskets and you were putting the clean shirts into this basket and the clean shorts into this basket and the clean socks into this basket? Yeah. You're still not folding it, but now you can find it easier. And if that's the block, like I just the idea of folding it and putting away is kind of what's like bottlenecking the process. Let's see if we can go around that instead of trying to shove it through the bottleneck. Yeah. And I remember um, going off to college, one of my older cousins pulled me aside and she's like, okay, when laundry gets overwhelming, because you're doing laundry for the first time by yourself and using bad dryers, she's like, just buy more underwear. Like, you don't have to worry about all the clothes. Just buy more underwear. Like, we can do simple things like that. I um one funny thing that's been happening to me this week, we've actually since my husband is in trial, we've actually been sending our laundry out. 
What a um, nice thing. Yes, to get it washed and folded. And then, but then the, sometimes in the middle of the week, I would have something where I was like, okay, like they've been swimming or there's an accident. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't want to let this just like sit wet in the yeah. laundry basket until Saturday. So then I started doing like small little lows during the week. And the reason why I'd ever resisted that is because for me, I've got ADHD and the idea of like that multi-step process of like wash, transfer to the dryer, take it out, fold. There's always like something in my dryer. So what I've been doing this week, yeah, Christy, I've been throwing the small, small load, yeah, washing it. And then when I walk by it and I see it, I open the top of it. I don't even take it. I just open the top for two reasons. One, it will visually cue me the next time I walk to remember. Yep. And number two, getting air into it buys me a little bit of time before it starts to mold. Yep. To, to mold and yeah. mold, right? Because the air is exactly. So then I walk through. And what was happening was be, I was not putting it into the dryer because there was already stuff in the dryer. And yeah. I didn't have the capacity to take it out and put it away. Then I realized because I'm doing these small little loads, I could just put it in there with, it's like the the dishwasher aha all over You can throw it so in. I take it. Yes. And I put it in there with the stuff that's already dry, clean the lint, do it again. And I can do that three or four times before I have to take the whole load out of the dryer and deal with it. Isn't it amazing when you give yourself permission, like that there's no washer and dryer police, there's no laundry police, there's no dishwasher police. Like if, if the space is clean and not even clean, just functional, like, yeah, there's so, (laughs) we've really uh, weaponized housework against ourselves. Yes. And what's so funny is like some of us will go to work and we will have the most creative ingenious ways of making our work processes more effective, more comfortable, more convenient. Um, and then we come home and fold toddler underwear. <laughs> like yep. it's okay to use the same type of brilliance and creativity that you do use or used to use at a workplace. Yes. With the processes in your home. Absolutely. And Please use that creativity. Please give yourself that permission because then you can take a deep breath and and find a moment of rest. And And do the things that bring you joy in your home. Like when I stopped waiting for my whole house to be clean before I put up Christmas decorations... Right. When I yep. when I would started buying the little cheap flowers at the grocery store, even though I knew my whole island was so cluttered that I, don't, I was only see the top of them uh-huh. sticking out. Right. When I started allowing myself to do the fun things, to do the things that brought me joy, the, yeah. the, the finishing touches before everything was perfect, that made a huge difference. So now I'm focusing on get it to functioning. And then like, what, what makes me happy about the space? Because if you have to get it perfect, you never get to the place where you can do the fun stuff. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You, you have to be able to have the fun stuff in order to do like the next level hard. Um, I remember like, I like to add sprinkles to all the food that we add sometimes, right? Like when we're trying new foods, adding sprinklers to my toddler's food is like one of my key core memories because I knew I could get them to eat it if it had rainbow sprinkles on it. Mm -hmm. We need more rainbow sprinkles in our day to just try the thing. And I've been like, 
trying to also ritualize as much as possible. Like I used to look at my mom and she decorates for Christmas and it's this big ordeal and it's so beautiful, but I tend to get really overwhelmed uh-huh. by, you know, putting it up or taking it down or I don't even know where to start. And I, so I created this system for myself I, and I have these big tubs. Mm-hmm. So I picked like the four seasons or holidays I yeah. wanted to do. And I just picked like objects. So like I have um, a throw that matches like the season. Yeah. Um, and sometimes like a pillow that'll go with it, like a throw and a pillow. Yep. And then I have a wreath and I'm talking like, I get like the cheap wreaths from Michael's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some little fake flowers outside. And then um, I have something that goes onto the windows. And so I just, those are like my three categories. That's and awesome. I spent a couple of years, like I'd wait till the, the holiday passed and yeah. then I'd go buy the cheap stuff. Yep. The so day now, after Thanksgiving is yes. the best day to buy the... Yes. And I simplified it where it's like, okay, it's, um, you know, for springtime, I have these really beautiful quilt throws. I put my sunflower wreath up and then my kids and I make uh, like ladybugs or butterflies. Yeah, some sort of art project together. Yeah. And then like the next season comes and it's like, okay, we take that stuff down and we get out like the burnt orange throw for Halloween and we put our Halloween wreath out and we do pumpkins. Yep. And so... But breaking it down into this, like, very almost, like, ritualized, like, every season has three things. I love it. Like, you can make things really simple like that, and they still bring you joy. And it is functional to have this sort of ritual where we're turning over the seasons. Um, And I recently did that for my post-Christmas winter. Yeah. Because I get a little depressed when I have to take my Christmas decorations down. Winter and, can be really long without a Christmas tree yeah. up anymore. And I realized that if I was taking Christmas down, it was depressing. But if I was taking Christmas down and then putting up yeah. my sort of winter decorations, it felt less like an ending and more like this sort of hopeful transition yeah. to the new year. And so these are the kind of things that like we don't we often don't allow ourselves to get to or explore because the laundry still unfolded. Yeah, yeah. This is why we leave the game out on the dining room table, because I just want that gentle skill building for myself that this is the memory that I want to have when I'm 80. I don't want to have the memory of being stressed out about laundry. I want to have the yes. memory of tracing hands with kids or playing with Play-Doh or pumpkins in the window, right? Like those people over over that false productivity of things that don't really matter. And I find that when I'm having trouble engaging with my kiddos and I feel kind of burnt out and yeah. like I'm just wanting to check out all the time, what what typically happens is I feel guilty about that. Yep. And so I try to force myself to be more present. Yep. And what I've realized is that the issue when I'm feeling burnt out is not that I'm not doing enough. It's actually that I'm doing too much. Yeah. I can. And so if I take a step back and go, what can I let go of? What can I minimize? Sometimes that means saying no more often to my kids. Yep. Sometimes that means, you know, sending that laundry out for a few weeks or using paper plates for yep. a bit. If I'm finding myself lacking in the capacity to be the parent I want to be, yep. 
capacity is finite. I can't just push myself to show up more. I have to go find that capacity somewhere else and reclaim it from something else that I'm using it for that isn't as high of a priority for me. So I actually need to figure out how to do less. And I think sometimes the easiest way to find that is find where in my home can I do a little less and just focus on what's functional so that I have more capacity to make those handprints, right? To mm-hmm. engage in discipline with patients, to do the fun things. Yep. Yeah. And, or to enjoy your spouse when you're tired at mm-hmm. 7 30 PM, once the kids are in bed, if he happens to be yep. home. So yeah, all of those things matter. So how do you take care of yourself? Every episode here ends with a self-care task and a family fun idea. How are you taking care of yourself, Casey? Do you have a self-care idea? I do. So I I do a couple of small things around my home. You know, actually, a lot of the decoration stuff is is because I really, really love it. Yeah, your face is lighting Um, up as you talk about this. Like, And I used to... um, What I've started doing is buying the grocery store flowers. Yeah. When I go and they're often on clearance, like they're often, you know, able, affordable in the budget and just buying myself fresh flowers and putting them in a vase in the middle of my, like, it just makes me so happy to wake up and look at it. Um, and, and then the other thing is that I have been going to therapy. Yes. <laughs> like I've been going a couple times a month and there have been times where it feels a little like, oh, it's kind of indulgent. Like I'm not in some huge crisis. Yeah. But really believing that like I am worth the work, even when I'm not in crisis, like not just thinking that like medication and therapy are for when I'm like, again, in crisis, mm-hmm. but allowing myself to say like, no, this is really like enhancing my quality of life to have these couple of times a month to go and do this. Um, And so taking medication, um, going to therapy and, you know, it was a big deal to make the decision um, to sort of officially be a work from home mom as opposed to a stay at home mom. And I did feel kind of guilty, but after talking to some friends and some family, And after, you know, hiring the nanny during the day and Uh working like regular work hours, what I found was I am so much, I have so much more ability to be present with my kids. Yeah. I'm rediscovering an identity outside of just parenthood. Yep. And so for me, working. Yeah. it, It on this kind of passion project on this platform. So it is self care. Absolutely. Yeah. It's nice that it's self-care that funds itself, right? But at the end of the day, I'm not doing it because, you know, it's contributing money. I'm doing it because it makes me a happier person. And I think that that makes me a better member of my family. I love that because, yeah, as I imagine, as you work on this and as you show up vulnerably to yourself, my favorite image of self-care isn't the cup that um, we talk about having a full cup, right? And then you pour it out. But my favorite Mm -hmm. image of self-care is when you have that full cup and there's lots of little cups around it and you're just continuously pouring into yourself. So you're giving from all that overflow. And that's what it sounds like you found by Mm -hmm. saying yes to becoming a work from home mom that you're pouring into yourself. That metaphor that you just used is that I think that when we think of the metaphor of the full cup, we it's like you need to fill your cup so that you can fill us. And we picture ourselves like 
tipping over. That's true too. Outpouring. Yeah. But like the visual that you give is like if I'm standing straight. Yep. You're in your space. Allowing it to overflow. then those little cups around me are going to get filled by my overflow. And I don't have to pour myself out. Yep. I have to pour into myself and stand up straight and have an identity and have, you know, a quality of life. And then from that overflow, um, you know, everybody else gets filled as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to live from the excess of loving myself so well that I can love everyone and, you know, impact my world better because I love myself. And the one little note that I want to put on that, because I know there are probably listeners that are thinking, well, yeah, if I had time to afford <laughs> therapy and afford send my laundry out and afford do all these things, um, you know, I don't have the time or right. money to do that. And I and I wanted to say that sometimes, you know, it's not necessarily about okay, where's the time and money, but like one example that I often give yeah. um, was talking to someone who said, like, I, you know, I I work these many jobs, I don't, I can't, I don't have extra time. I'm the only caregiver. So what we talked about was, okay, but what would it look like to make Friday nights the night where you, you could budget to order pizza, even if, or if it was a DiGiorno pizza, you did paper plates. So there are no dishes. You let the kids watch a movie and fall asleep wherever they wanted to go. Right. Yep. And like you didn't. And so in this way, you're giving up the dishes, you're giving up the nighttime battle yep. and the laying with the whatever, right? So you're carving out a night where you just kind of get to be. I Maybe you go do something while they're doing the. But even if you didn't, you're still carving out a night that is taking some burden off of you. Yes. And you, you're kind of getting more of that capacity, right? So like, that's one way to sort of think about, Yes, even if it's one night a week. One night a week. And I love it on Fridays. We do this. I started it when my kids were super little. They would put their PJs on before we ate pizza. They would eat. They would fall asleep in front of the TV. And I call it that Friday night I quit. Like I quit every Friday (laughs) night and we get pizza. And it used to be pizza picnic movie Friday, right? Some alliteration because I'm a teacher. So I had to throw it in there. Um, But yeah, that ability to not have to do it. Like I knew every Friday, you know, they're all going to fall asleep in the living room floor and it didn't matter or on the couch. And I could put towels underneath them if they're in that season of needing extra just in case. Right. Um, But I got to quit every Friday and it feels so good. I still quit every Friday. Yeah. (laughs) So how are you enjoying yourself as a family? What are some family fun that you're having. So I actually took my kids to the beach by myself for the first time. Um, and it was a big deal because I, I have a lot of uh, child safety anxiety mm-hmm. um, and particularly around water and drowning. Yep. <laughs> and so, um, but I really wanted to, to take my kids to the beach and my husband had to work um He's been in trial. And so, and I called some friends to see if anyone, got, and none of my friends were available. And I was like, okay, am I going to do it? And I did. And I'm so proud of myself because I took my kiddos, I put them both in life jackets, and we went to the beach all day. And we had so much fun. I have a two year old and a four year old. Yeah. And it was, it, it, so it was relaxing. I didn't think I could relax at an outing like that, but we brought our little tent. They had their, you know, little life jackets on. We found a small beach, man, and we just 
had so much fun and now we're going to go again this week. Um, and, you know, I live pretty close to a beach, but I just didn't, didn't ever take them. Yeah. And I don't know, it, it just was really meaningful to me to kind of push myself to get over the anxiety, not mm-hmm. get over the anxiety, but to, to do it even though I was scared. Yeah. And I was scared. What if, what if one, of, and one of my kids is autistic? What if, what if they run? What if they don't pay attention? What if they run in two different directions? And, you know, my husband was so sweet. He said, you know, you can always just come home. Yeah. Right. Like you can, like, there's no harm in trying. If it feels mm-hmm. too much, if it feels too overwhelming, you can just come home. Yep. And, um, but I didn't, we were there for six hours. That's amazing. I, uh, I'm so proud for you, Casey. That's amazing. Thanks. Do they have matching life jackets? <laughs> they don't have matching life jackets, but they do have matching swimsuits. It's very okay. cute. Very fun. So that was one of my tricks at that age was, right, that the girls had to wear matching things so I could, if mm-hmm. one ran, I knew exactly what to look for for the other one. It wasn't yes. about being cute. It was more all about function of like, okay, everyone's wearing purple today. I can scan the crowd for purple. <laughs> I, I learned that when I started, when I took my kid to a, a huge park one time and she was wearing bright pink and I was like, this is easy. I can see you wherever you are. Yeah. I was so excited when I convinced my son that he uh, loved orange. <laughs> like he just wore orange enough that he thought orange was his favorite color and I was like yes yep. this works <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on where you are on TikTok that is your main platform online but you also yes. have a website and a book where should people find yeah. you so my website is a great sort of place to go that you can jump off to all the other things my website is strugglecare.com from there, you can find out what all retailers are carrying my book, which is How to Keep House While Drowning. It's on Amazon. It's on Barnes & Noble. And it's um, great as an also, audiobook. You give a, yes, it's on the, audio Your audiobook well. is very functional. And if you need to speed run it, she tells you how to speed run it and which chapters yes. to skip. And then um, on TikTok, I'm at Domestic Blisters. And then on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at Struggle Care. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Casey. It was a delight yeah, to talk you. to you today. Thank you. And in case no one's told you today, you are exactly the right mom for your kids. I am so glad you're here. Motherhood is way too serious to be serious all the time. So I hope you laugh and you smile and you enjoy this one wild, crazy life you have. I'm so glad you're here on earth. Have a great day.